0: Well, hi, everybody. Great to see you here this morning. Thank you so much for coming. I, I do want to say if you're a visitor here, just a double, double welcome. And particularly if, if this is not your normal, you're not used to this informal, contemporary style of church, thank you so much for being here. We find it's a privilege to have you here. So thank you again. Well, we started this series in Philippians in January. And this is our third week, so we're going to go straight into Philippians 1, verses 27 to 30. 27 to 30. So that will give you time to just pull the Scripture up if you've got it. Or um, if you haven't got a Bible with you, it'll come up on the screen behind. Here we go. Whatever happens conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign To them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it, it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Well, that is the word of God. And um, two weeks ago, John started uh, going through the second part of the first chapter. And as he, he ran it all the way through, and then we came to this line, For me to live is... That was the line. For me to live is... And then John asked us, it was a real challenge. He said, well, what is it? What, what is it? For me to live is... What is that that takes my energy, my time... That I, I give myself to, what is it? For me to live is. And I, I've, we've just, I just found that, and I know I wasn't the only one a very challenging time. And, and then John said, and Jesus' line may well have been, for me to live is you. For me to live is you. C.S. Lewis said that the church is the only organization that exists for its non-members. This is our DNA. Some of you will not have been here right at the very beginning. This is the DNA of kings. From the very beginning of the life of this church, I mean, it came with a whole specific purpose of looking out. That, that's, that is what we're about. And, you know, I love church, and I, I love our gatherings together. And, and, you know, just being here this morning and sensing the presence of God is with us as Mark... And Katie let us. It was lovely. I, I love it. I'm looking forward to our encounter evening this evening. <laughs> I really am. But, you know, if that is it, if it's just about us, we've missed it. It mustn't just be about us. Now, we're going to dig into this uh, uh, letter today. Actually, I'm really going to stay with verse 27, so because there's so much in there. But I, before I do, I want to begin with this clip from... Schindler's List, a film called Schindler's List. Now, I'm not trying to exaggerate or hype your feelings. Let me, that's my start of my intro. Um, it is a moving clip. This part of the film is a moving clip. Oscar Schindler, if you don't know the film, is a German businessman in the Second World War, and he witnesses the SS branch of the Nazis exterminating exterminating Jews in the Krakow ghetto. And Schindler begins to feel compelled to turn his factory into a refuge. He moves his focus from saving money to saving lives. It's based on a true story, and it is. It's a remarkable one. He saved over 1,100 lives from the gas chambers in Auschwitz. The scene comes at the end of the film, where the Second World War has just ended, literally just ended, and the workers, the Jewish workers are expressing their gratitude to Oskar Schindler. Let's watch the clip, can we? said, it's, it's a moving clip, and um, it's about making a massive difference, this man made a massive difference in the lives of others. Many years ago, and some of you heard this before, I I woke up one morning, and it was almost like I, I, I it was it almost, it was like the end of a dream, or it was in a dream, and, and I woke up with these words, sort of, On a TV screen almost. It's just words. And it was words from Acts chapter 18 where God says to Paul, I have many people in this place. Well, actually, in Acts 18, he says I have many people in this city. But the phrase was to me was, I have many people in this place. And I, I woke up that morning and I just thought, oh my goodness me. And of course, I was thinking about this town. I was thinking about this town and then, I, that day, um, I had a bag packed and I was off to a leaders' conference. I went to this leaders' conference, and that morning they were praying. We were praying for one another. And I had three people come during this time of prayer, come and pray for me. And the first person that came up, and they're all independent, you have to understand that, it was all at different moments. Nobody's talking to one another. Just somebody came up, started praying for me, and he said, Neil, I, I think God is saying to you, I have many people in this place. I thought, my goodness me. Then somebody else comes up and prays for me. I, I do actually remember what they prayed for. And then a little while later, this, this other person comes up. He's not been party to any of this. And, and it, he's praying for me. And then in the middle of this, he says, Neil, I believe God is saying to you, you got it, you? I have many people in this place. And I, you know, it just, it just got hold of me. That uh, I just knew it was God. And it wasn't God's word to me. It was God's word to us as a church. There's many people in this place. And we can be part of hundreds. Do you know, dare we say it? Thousands of people having the destiny of their lives changed eternally. Forever in the power of God. So... You say, well, what's all that got to do with this church in Philippi, this letter? In Philippi, what's that got to do with it? I tell you, it's everything. It's got everything to do with it, absolutely everything. He's writing from a Roman prison, Paul. He is moved by what moves Jesus. And you will find proportionally the word gospel is mentioned more times in this letter than any other letter. Any other and uh, Mark's accounts, you know, of Jesus opens with the beginning of the gospel. That means good news about Jesus. The good news about Jesus. We used to have this joke if you were leading a meeting and Stuart Reed was speaking, you'd give him a ring and you'd say, Stuart, what are you speaking? And he would say, What are you speaking on? He'd say, Oh, it's just the gospel. It's just the gospel. That's why It's just the gospel. Just the gospel. Well, what, who's it for? It's for people. Four people, two people, one person, 100, 200, 000. Why not? It's about people. And, and Paul is, writes this from a prison. And he's grateful for one. He's grateful, he says, for their partnership in the gospel, he says. And as he sits there writing this letter, he says, if this has only served to advance the gospel... And then he continues, and what's more, me being in prison has given people confidence to proclaim the gospel. It's all the good news. And at the end of this letter, he writes, all God's people here send you greetings. You'll find it right at the end of the letter. All God's people here send you greetings. And he could have left it there. And all God's people send you greetings. He could have stopped there, but he doesn't. He continues writing, and he goes, especially those who belong to Caesar's household, in whom, perhaps, I'm a prisoner in one of his jails. Look, see? See where this gospel is going. That's what he's saying. It's going to the heart of the Roman emperor, to a brutal emperor like Nero. And all, his, all the people that follow him this is the gospel is going right into the heart of the Roman Empire. Verse 27 Whatever happens, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves worthy of the gospel. Conduct yourselves worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens. Now, so I want to address two points and. Went, what, well what is it to conduct ourselves in a worthy manner? What is it? And secondly, well, how can we do it? What is it? What is it to do that and how can we do it? It's a bit blurred. They'll they'll sort of cross over this. But Paul uses a deliberate phrase here when he says, conduct yourself. It's only used, I can't, it's a it's a Greek word, I tried to get my lips round it and failed. So but just trust me, it's, a, it's, it, it's only used twice in the New Testament. And it has a political slant to it. And what it really is, is live out your citizenship in a worthy manner. Conduct yourself. Live out your citizenship in a worthy manner. You know, if you were living in Philippi at the time, that has huge, huge implications philippi's boast was that it was had privileged status it was a roman colony given to them their freedom was given to them by the emperor because of a decisive victory on the plains of philippi and they were given citizenship of rome my friends that is a big deal it's a big big deal A Roman citizen citizen never forgot they were a Roman citizen. And it came with rights and expectations. And Paul's point here is, well, Philippi is a colony of Rome. But the church, you, are a colony of heaven. Live out your citizenship. That's what he's saying. This church in Philippi is, is from every background. You know, Ron started this series... And uh, he explained that the first message, in the first message, he said this church begins with a woman called Lydia. And she deals in purple cloth. If you deal in purple cloth in those days, that's a rich person's cloth. She's a wealthy lady. So you got Lydia. But then in Philippi, you've got this slave girl who's been uh, set free of this oppressive spirit. And on top of that, you've got the jailer, who, um, you know, well, there's this earthquake, and the jail opens, and Paul and Silas are in there singing praises to God, and, 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 and well, he's, he's part of the congregation, too. He's part of the church as well. you got this, and you've got everything in between, Got a real mix. We have the whole spectrum in Philippi. Do you know we have the whole spectrum here in Kings? With a massive spectrum of experience and culture and background, (laughs) conduct yourselves. Come on, live it out. Live it out. Live out your citizenship of heaven. There's this um, Jesuit priest. uh, His name is Walter Cizek. And in the 1930s, he believed he was called to Russia. And he went. And he was arrested on charges of espionage and sent to Libyanka jail. And he spent five years in solitary confinement. And part of his time there was all-night interrogations. I mean, the brutality of it. It doesn't just make you wince. And he was drugged. I mean, this man went through stuff. Threatened with death. And then he did what he thought he would never do. Walter Caesar, in his weakness, he signed papers that gave the impression that he was a spy for the Vatican. And he remembers having done that, burning with shame and guilt. And he'd seen himself, he'd seen himself as the, the strong person, the disciplined person. I mean, he could out-discipline everybody in, in, amongst his contemporaries. And he'd seen that it had all fallen apart. And it was at that moment, he was aware of his utter helplessness. And this is what he writes. Because he grabbed hold of the grace of God that God had been offering him all his life. And he writes, I knew that I must abandon myself to the will of God or the will of the Father and live from now on in this spirit of self-abandonment to God. And I did it. I can only describe the experience as a sense of letting go, giving over totally my last effort or even any will to guide the reins of my life. It's, it's, It's all too simply said, yet... That one decision has affected every subsequent moment of my life. I have to call it a conversion. It was at once a death and resurrection. Walter C. spent another 15 years in gulags, which is the Russian labor, forced labor camps. And everywhere they moved him, he left behind pockets... followers of Jesus everywhere and he was in the most harshest conditions in Siberia and he left behind pockets of followers of Jesus and when his sentence was over he was given given what's known as limited freedom so he worked in a chemical factory and soon the attendance at midnight mass grew so large The authorities had to move him on. He was making such an impact in that town. And so it was another place and another job and another community of Jesus springing up yet again. Every time he moved, churches were started. Wherever he was placed, followers of Jesus came to the fore. (laughs) The Russian authorities were giving him the opportunity to do the very thing they didn't want to happen. I mean, in the end, in the end, he was, um, they did a spy swap, and uh, in 1963, they did a spy swap. Uh, it just came out of the blue. But he was everywhere, they moved him, because he was, he was creating these people of God everywhere. So they just moved him on, but he just kept doing the same thing. It's a fascinating um, read about him. He, um, he loved people. That's what he did. He loved people. He wouldn't even speak ill of, of anyone. Not, not even the authorities. Not the government. Not the guards. He simply loved people. Even camp informants came to Cizek. And they, he heard their confessions. He gave communion. And he loved the people. And he wrote this. He said, God's will is for me right where I am every day. He said, I used to think that God's will was something I had to keep searching for this will of God, something that would fulfill my life. I expect you understand that. This ethereal thing that God, this will of God, this ethereal will of God. And then, but he realized it was to live out the gospel right where he was every day. To be the best follower of Jesus. Where will you be tomorrow? Tomorrow. And who will you work with tomorrow? And what situation will you find yourself in tomorrow? Wherever you are, I'm just encouraging you, Look, wherever you are, do you think Paul wanted to be in prison? Do you think Cizek wanted to be in forced labor camps? That was not what he thought would happen. But he knew the will of God was right here, right now, and to live out the gospel. Jesus said, when you pray, and you know the prayer, my friends, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and, what's the next line? You will be done. Next line? On earth. What? As it is in heaven. On earth. Live out your citizenship of heaven, on Earth, live it out. Live it out. Paul, in, a, in another letter, you know, he he uses a clothing metaphor, and he says, "Clothe yourself with compassion, and kindness, humility, gentleness, patience." Come on, put it on. These are the character traits of Jesus. These are the character traits of heaven. I read on a Twitter account this week. It says, we never read that Jesus moved by fear or Jesus moved by a desire for security. It's always Jesus moved by compassion. It's always Jesus moved by compassion. So what is it to conduct ourselves in a worthy manner? My friends, it's to live out. It's to live out the characteristics of heaven on earth you're live it out live it out i just want to be very practical at this point so how can we do it how can we do it well let's again back to verse 27 then whether i come and see you or only hear about you in my absence i will know that you stand firm in one spirit striving together as one for the faith of the gospel how do we do this practically how do we do it look, look at it one spirit striving together as one one spirit striving together as one how do we do it we do it in the company of others you must get that for the christian can never never simply be me and god says, <laughs> no Take that out of your thinking. It's always we and God. We and God. The, of course the Lord encounters us personally. I, I know that. You know, you listen to those being baptized last week. You know, you would have heard, they had an encounter with Jesus. That, that, they encountered him personally. That, that was clear. But then, my friends, he puts us in a family. Not, not a crowd, but a body his body, the church. It's God's way, my friends. Community. Being alongside one another it's God's way. We're made for it. Excuse me, using this illustration before, but you've got the wildebeest. And they, 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 this is sometimes classified as the seventh wonder of the world. The, 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 the migration between... Um, the, it often occurs in April and May... Thousands upon thousands of wildebeest, you know, they, they move from the southern, they move from one part to another. Has anybody, have you seen that on TV? Just raise your hand if you've seen it. I mean, oh, look at that! It's just amazing, absolutely astonishing. It's an awesome sight. But what you probably don't see is that on the edges, there's a whole number of predators waiting for a stray. Just one who's just. A little off just one who's having their own day on their own you know I'm giving church I'm giving I'm giving it a sabbatical I'm giving the herd a sabbatical I'm gonna have time off the predator's there the predator and they they're they're all along waiting the safest place is to be in the pack when they come adrift they are in trouble it's the same in the Christian walk. So listen, my friends. If you're thinking, do you know what? I'm just going to give it a break. Don't. It's quite simple. Don't do that. Don't do that. The only person broken will be you. Don't give it a break like that. Don't forget this man's writing this from prison. So if anybody knows hardship and tough times, this guy does. And he's telling them, he's telling them, you need one another. Church, you need one another. You know, I remember uh, as a young Christian, I, 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 was at this, I was at this bar. I was in a bar. And I was with a, in a debate with a work colleague about Christianity. And uh, he wiped the floor with me. And he just wiped the floor. I mean, I didn't have any answers. I, I was this floundering mess, and I, and I, I walked away feel, feeling humiliated, actually. I don't know if ever you've been in that position, but I walked away thinking, "I'm never going to get a debate again like that. Again. You know just, I, I felt terrible. I felt I'd let the Lord down. I' felt, I, I felt I'd let the, my whole Christian faith gone. You know, I just felt terrible. And the next day I'm talking to this guy his name is Russ. I still remember it. And he just comes alongside. And he's so wise and so helpful to me as a young Christian. And he sort of picked me up off the floor, really. And, uh, you know, it, I just learned one or two things from him. It's really, really helpful. And wherever Russ went, I noticed Russ always tried to find the, in the conversation a place to tell his story. Didn't want to get in a debate. Just wanted an opening to tell his story. Just a snippet of it. Just a part of it. I learnt a lot from Russ. Really helpful. But he was there for me. Don't, don't get caught on the edges here. You know we get strength from one another. We, we stand, see, see what he says? Stand firm as one. The writer of the Hebrew says this. He says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Don't do that. But let us encourage one another. Do you know, a little encouragement, it goes a long, long way, believe me. It's a fundamental pr- principle that a little encouragement goes a long, long way. Look, be in fellowship with God's people. Be in fellowship with God's people. I, um, one of those baptized last week, They wrote in, it was a great day. It was a great day, Billy, wasn't it? It was a great day. It was a great day for back today. It was really, really good. And this person wrote in, and they said, um, the love that radiated from every member yesterday was awesome. I felt like I was having a ceremony with people cheering all around. It felt like... Family, oh my goodness me! Don't don't stop meeting together. You do not realize what you bring and the encouragement that you bring to other people. Don't underestimate the power and presence of God when we meet together. How do we how do we do this citizenship? How do we conduct ourselves? I tell you what, we do it together. How how else do we do it? Well, let me just say this that. Character always comes before charisma. So you've seen the most charismatic people. But let me tell you that character always comes before charisma. Uh, Kingdom character traits make a huge difference. The early church were known for their character. They were known for being truthful. They were known for their honesty. They were known for their reliability. In the second century a Christian philosopher, writes to the emperors of the day. And he appeals to them on the grounds of the conduct of the people of God. That's his his appeal. Because of the way they conduct themselves. And he says this. He says, With us, on the contrary, you will find unlettered people, tradesmen, and old women, who though unable to express in words the advantages of our teaching, demonstrate by acts the value of their principles. For they do not rehearse speeches, but evidence good deeds. When robbed, they do not sue. To those who ask, they give. And they love their neighbours as themselves. You will find this is a regular pattern of what Christians are known for in the early church: their conduct, their reliability, their honesty. They're the ones that pay taxes. One letter writes, "Why would you? Why would you oppose a the Christian? They are law-abiding. They pay taxes. They do that stuff." A gospel life. Mother Teresa was invited to a national prayer breakfast in Washington during the days of Bill Clinton. And she spoke powerfully that morning of the war against the child, namely abortion. It was an awkward moment for President Bill Clinton. And when he began his speech, he said, It's hard to argue against a life well lived. I thought it was a great line. A clever man is Bill Clinton, I have to say that, whatever. But it's, uh, it's hard to argue against a life well-lived. Wherever we are, can we, can we be known for that? For our honesty and our integrity, reliability. These are kingdom characters. Believe me, they make a huge difference. I've seen people lose their jobs because they would not be dishonest. I've seen people here in the church lose their jobs because they refuse to be dishonest. This is kingdom stuff. Bill Hybels, he's Willow Creek, Chicago, many thousands. Des and I had the privilege of going there in 2013. He writes this. We should live out our lives in a way that cries out, join us, join us, join us. Somebody once said one Sunday morning, they said, you know the reason I'm here? I said, what, no, why are you here? Uh, No, the reason I'm still here. I said, no, why are you still here? I'm still here because of that person. And they pointed to this lady, and, um, and and I knew her story, and it was full of hardships. And every time she got here, she raised her hands and gave worship and honored Jesus Christ. And he said, I'm here. I'm still here because of her you know your conduct makes a huge impression don't underestimate your conduct ask the lord to help you i'm not saying those things are simple i ask the lord to help you love people until they ask why don't forget it's the kingdom of god and um, don't forget it's the kindness of god that leads us to repentance Listen, think of that phrase, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. I love the kindness of God. If it wasn't for the kindness of God, we wouldn't be here. It's, the kind, it's not the judgment of God, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. If you want to practice anything in 2017, why don't you practice that every day? Make that your goal. I'm going, to be, I'm going to practice kindness. Wherever I go, I'm going to leave behind me seeds of kindness. Whoever I speak to in the shops and that irritating lady that I meet and that, that guy who really gets up my nose, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave a trail of kindness. I'm just going to do that. Make it a habit. Wherever you are, wherever you go, whoever you meet, Jesus did this all the time, even on the cross. Be the best follower of Jesus. Please, right where you are, in whatever situation you find yourself, be the best follower of Jesus you can. Amen? Amen. Thank you.